Podcast. This is episode 15. Holy hell. Yeah. 15 of these What kind guys. of associations do you have with that XV number? Um, I was one year shy of getting my period at 15. You got your period at 16? I did. Okay, you should have saved that for next episode. Okay, well, next week on Free You're Advice. you about it again. <laughs> I'm just thinking about it now because I'm, I'm at the end of my period right now. Did, okay. Did you have a, um, a year-long PMS before your first no, okay. no, I 15 was sort of a lost year, mm. I feel like. And then I, I don't, can't, don't have any associations with being 15. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, me neither. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Right, next topic. Yeah. Should we, for every episode until <laughs> yeah. we get to the ages that we currently are, Ooh, should we start? We yeah. yeah. yeah people would, <laughs> this people is episode. Would love that. That shit is so relatable. expand our audience (laughs) what's that band Hmm. five for fighting never heard they have like two songs and they're both about like coming of age and they both sound the same Hmm. and the one i just sang so fucking you want me to shazam it you want to do it no 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 i don't think it works that way (laughs) it Um, might if you're how does shazam work isn't it it's probably the beat right it it's the whole sound the whole sound Yeah, yeah okay it's like so it's all, one-to-one all of, recognition. All the parts of the recording. If you play the cover, I don't think it would recognize it. Right. As the, yeah. Right. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's Rob Zaleski. That's Morgan Beard over there. Over here. Where I, from where I'm sitting, it's over here. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, switching perspectives. It's very important yeah. um, for us on this podcast. Because, um, you know, we got to be able to take... The listeners' perspectives, the question askers' perspectives, our own perspectives, each other's perspectives. You got any advice you want to ask me for? Um, that's a great question. Thanks. Somehow I didn't see it coming. Oh. Um, I have one in general that ties all of this together. It's more of a. It's not really like what should I do because like I kind of know my personal policies on it, but more of a how do you deal with this? Right. Period sex. Um. Just do it with a dark towel or in the shower okay thoughts feelings or just those two recipes for our easy cleanup um some women are uh, uncomfortable about the way that they feel when they're on their period or mm-hmm. the way that it uh, looks yeah. during the act after the act yeah and um i try to just reassure that i don't care that much if yeah. i don't that yeah, much. Depends. So, w- what's the? W- let's talk about the part of the spectrum where you do care. Okay, if I was in like a real conservative, afraid of the germ mind state for whatever reason, mm. which I rarely find myself in that situation, but let's say that I start getting uptight and like a clean freak, <laughs> then maybe I do care. Yeah. So, if you're listening to this and you don't like period sex, you just have a total negative response. Uh, Is this why? Is it that you're a neat freak? Um, it's related. It's related. Yeah. yeah. Like general, like if you're a picky eater, that's uh-huh. all this stuff. Have I talked about this conservative liberal breakdown before? This is the perfect okay. time. Um, both are necessary for an individual and a society to possess both lines of thinking. Liberal the, and conservative. Yes. The mm-hmm. liberal yeah. perspective is an embrace of the germ, the other, the outside new thing. 
Yeah. Which is sometimes threatening. Sometimes that starts a war if it's a different yeah. group of people. Sometimes that means you, sometimes it means sickness if it's a new kind of food, something that could hurt you. Yeah. A new drug, a new um, person, anything like that. Anything with that's, uncertainty? That's other and strange. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the open-minded liberal perspective is, oh, there could be something good in that. There could mm -hmm. be something that we learn from this melting pot experiment as a society yeah. or as an individual. I might discover a new favorite food or a new recipe or a new cure for some disease in this strange plant or whatever. And then the conservative point of view is fear the outsider, the other. It could be a threat. The germ can get me sick. The germ might not be a good food, but rather something that kills me. Uh, the stranger might be someone that takes my property, hurts me, kills my family. Yeah. Um, the yeah. outside nation might not be a friend that has good trading potential. Um, yeah. So I think that there needs to be some tension um, within the individual and within the society between those two points of view to employ the one that it benefits you the most at the moment. Mm -hmm. And generally that's like if you're at a scarcity, if you feel like you don't have enough and you're afraid of what can come out of a new interaction, then you want a more conservative yeah. point of view. And if you are yeah. uh, feel an abundance and uh, an openness to the world, then you want a more liberal point of view. Yeah, I cannot stress enough how much I really like that expression. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. And one thing that I find so curious, and this was um, – Someone who was like a, a uh, talking head in a documentary that I um, was an assistant producer on back when I was like in the independent film world um, was this environmental documentary called Short Up. And there was a uh, conservative politician interviewed and she had like a soundbite that was like, here's what I don't understand. Why? Like the initial... In like the meaning behind the word conservative is to conserve, to conserve resources. And so she put that expression out there to be like, why are political conservatives not environmental conservatives also? Like, I have an answer for that. And I think that, I mean, of course we know why, but like. Why? Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're. They uh, are conserving something. It's, right. They're not familiar with the nature. That's not like the thing that's most salient to them. Exactly. Their concern is more in, you know, financial interest, energy. They're um, conserving the way of life that's based off of a system that depletes those resources. Totally. Yeah. Um, but it is really interesting that that sort of little pocket like falls mm. outside of the scope of what one would ideally think that you know, a conservative should do. Like, I think that we should all recognize that like the earth's resources are potentially limited and the economy is something that we invented. <laughs> it's a concept. Um, and so I feel like it's more important to protect this thing that is actual, that we need to um, survive clean air, clean water, food. Um, I don't know. I would argue we need the economy to survive too in the numbers that we exist in. Not yeah. in, the, in its current form necessarily, but money is a huge invention for human of course. prosperity. It has uh, – right. The, the um, principle of currency is extremely important because you can't just like trade goods in a marketplace it's without a It's severely limiting if you do that. Right. You don't have right. all the advancements in transportation, communication. And maybe I'm too much on the side of like 
um, cause I think what you're doing right now that's so valuable is talking about how liber- liberals and conservatives are both necessary for balance. And I think that's in general, like the perfect perspective. And I think that we should be thinking more about mm-hmm. balance in all areas where we strive for quote unquote good versus being our way is good and your way is bad. Our way is good and your way is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, how can we all best achieve balance um, versus focusing so hard on the friction? But I do feel like um, one reason conservatives are anti-environment, so to speak, is because liberals are pro-environment. And that's, I think some of it is just like, oh, the other person is this way. Like there could be so many more values where people overlap between on this political spectrum. I think that... Uh as far as issues that conservatives and it's it's wrong to speak about them as a single unit, you of know, course. every individual has their own of course opinions. But as a group, if we're generalizing that, um, it's not something that they're anti as much as like abortion, which is something that liberals are for. Sure, um, it's just something that it gets overlooked in pursuit of the free market, mm-hmm. oil drilling, things like that. But I'm sure that most people or identify as conservative, if asked, like, it's easy to do, would you like to conserve the environment? Most will say, yeah, that'd be great. It's just yeah. other values that come first, whereas something like abortion, they're like, no, that's terrible. Well, it's interesting, too, to think about the environment along the plane of time. Mm-hmm. It's almost like, to me, it's saying my way of life right now and the way that it works, it's more important for me to sustain that than to consider conserving natural resources Mm -hmm. for future generations of human life. Um, So I feel like for me, that's where there's that slight lack of balance or like an over an over assessment of the importance of like my way of life right now needing to not change. Sure. But I'm super, super fucking liberal, obviously. Yeah. I'm like beyond liberal. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) in general, I'm sure that there are things that you fall a little bit more conservative on. And that's like, if you're just towing the party line and you're not thinking about things issue by issue, right? Totally. Totally. But yeah. well, it sucks that like we can only vote for one, you know, viewpoint pretty much, or else you're kind of screwing the party that represents, right? you know, the the majority of what you want. You, you sure. can only kind of vote one way in order for it to really make a difference. You but, mean two you know. ways? You only have two options. Like it's a binary of right. Democrat or Republican. Well, right. Of- but like what my point <clears throat> is like, if you support 80% of the liberal agenda, mm-hmm. let's say you're not going to, you. Sh- it doesn't behoove you to <laughs> take your vote away from your own right, party. Right, and go vote for the Green Party. right. Right. That's what I'm saying. Uh, two, so you really only have one choice. Two <laughs> solutions. Here are the options that uh, are either hard to do or just unappealing, but I think helps um, voting in local elections yeah. on measures. This stuff is often not sexy or feels like it's making a big difference and it's yeah. not publicized like the presidential election yeah. is, but doing that helps. Um, totally. If everybody's doing that, then incremental change comes and from the bottom up. I have a total confession to make, which is that yeah. I don't vote at all, pretty much. Um, I voted for Obama in the first election that I could vote in, which was when we were freshmen. I was a freshman in college. Mm-hmm. You just missed that one, didn't you? Because you're, you're I below. Yeah, I was not allowed to vote. I was 17 at the time. Right. Okay. And I think I voted in the next one. 
to reelect him. Yeah. I that was it. I'm I've, a bad citizen. I voted in all presidential elections in most of the local elections that I've heard about. I get mail ballots yeah. and that's when yeah. I go and vote in those. I think I get easily overwhelmed by situations that appear hopeless. And so I'm like, you know what? This is a system that I don't even believe in necessarily, but I'm not doing anything out there promoting something that I do think is going to work. So, I, you know, I let myself off the hook by just being mm -hmm. like, I'm abstaining from this because overall it's not something I totally believe in um, as something that like serves me. But that's, that's just rude. You don't vote in the primaries? No. I haven't voted. I haven't voted since fucking 2012, mm. I guess. Well, uh, I think it's a good idea for people who think like me to vote. So I want to yeah. urge you to vote. Totally. Um, I'm not personally mad about it, but yeah, I just think that it's, you know, we are less likely to have president Trump if less people behave like you have. Um, yeah, totally. Uh, totally. <clears throat> that being said, I voted for Jill Stein in the last election. <laughs> so you basically voted for Trump. <laughs> Congrats. No, no, I'm kidding. Because I understand the Electoral College and that right. California is a winner-take-all state and it was surely going to Hillary. I yes. uh, was like, well, are there any candidates that my beliefs align yes. more with? And I aligned more with her. And yeah. the second solution that I was going to posit is um, uh, it's called first-past-the-post polling. Um, what is that? That I believe is what we currently have and it necessitates a two party system that will always settle into there being two parties. If you look uh, at our, uh, history yeah. politically, um, that if it's winner take all, yeah. uh, votes, then that's how it works. What you can do to make it better is do a rank order voting. So you get a list yeah. of whatever, eight candidates, imagine sure. the top people from the primaries of the last election, the top three Republicans, top three Democrats, and one person from each of uh, two smaller parties. Yeah. Um, then you write, okay, my number one choice is Jill Stein. My number two choice is Hillary Clinton. My number, da, 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 yeah. da, number eight yeah. is Donald Trump. Then, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that would have been my ballot. Um, I don't know. I there don't is know no eighth candidate <laughs> right. in my eyes. Oh, Bernie Sanders, if he was sure. in it, I would have voted for him. Sure. But, um, that uh, then allows people's votes. Everybody gets one vote, but only the candidates who rank high enough get all of those votes right. for it to matter. So you still That's get- smart. Yeah. And then third parties can have some representation and it won't just- boil down into two parties. So that's yeah. a huge overhaul that neither the Democrats nor the Republicans have any interest in right. introducing. So only somebody who's more like on the fringe of one of those parties, somebody like Bernie Sanders, maybe could introduce something like that, <laughs> but probably only a second term because it's a little too revolutionary to like yeah. run on. We need a revolution though, I think. We're like, ugh. we've just so thoroughly like outgrown our britches. This country is just huge. It's big. I think that like so many more things should be decided on a state level. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. My political opinions might as well go immediately into the garbage can. Cause I know so little. Um, but you know, and that's, and that's, that's chosen ignorance. And I'm, I'm a little bit ashamed of that to be honest. But on the other hand, I know what my bandwidth is for mm -hmm. things. And this is one that's very emotionally taxing to me. Um, the state of, the politics in our country and I do very heavy emotional lifting kind of in general. And it's just, I don't, it's just not a um, 
domain, I feel like I have a whole lot of potential to really impact. Whereas like the emotional burden I take on working with individuals, I feel Mm -hmm. like I have a large impact. And so that's just shame or not. That's sort of the path I've chosen. So it's, uh, I have seen people and I've seen myself abuse political interest as a means of avoiding local interest in Mm. topics that I can change, like relationships in my family, my friendships, uh, my work relationships, um, my local, like my block in my neighborhood and, um, just focusing on watching Trump's every move and reading everybody's (laughs) analysis of it, I think is a little bit, a means it's like disaster porn a bit. Totally. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean that I think you should be disengaged entirely. I know. Um, I think it's good to vote in the primaries. I think it's good totally. to vote in local elections. Um, but it's a challenge to devote a proper amount of attention to that that is proportionate to the amount of influence that you can have. I think right yeah. now that you're under devoting, but people easily over invest in that to cover up some personal yeah. thing in, in their lives they're having trouble uh, regaining power on. It's a really um, powerful distraction. Mm-hmm. It's a, an all-consuming distraction. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of why it became such a like circus is like everybody needs a distraction right now right. because things are just so – I mean, we were talking about this the other day. Just There's so many stimuli that are overwhelming coming from so many different directions and – most of us really need a fucking break and most of us work way too hard um, just to be able to um, provide for ourselves whatever chunk of the fabulous lifestyle that we're constantly being marketed (laughs) we can afford. Um, Yeah. Anyway, this is a really intriguing segue into this week's question. Let's get to advice. Um, because it's about hearing things that make us uncomfortable. Okay. Um, and how do we do that with grace? I know the solution. Cold showers next. (laughs) (laughs) This isn't the lightning round. Okay. Show the fuck out. Fine. Um, okay. I feel a storm coming though. Okay. Okay. My bones. All right. Leaves are turned inside out. Cows are laying down in the field. All right, before you let all of that weight, the weight of your hefty udders just yeah. slide into the grass. <laughs> oh, and they are hefty. Yeah. <laughs> he hasn't milked in a while, guys. <laughs> Babe, do you want me to milk you after the show? Yeah, please. Okay. I'll just <laughs> alternate tugging on your little nipples. Great. Um, okay, so this week's question <laughs> comes to us from Reddit user Jess Chillin, spelled exactly how you want it to be Great. spelled. No punctuation, no weird capitalization. I don't think you can use apostrophes in your name, so. Okay. Well, Jess Chillin asks, how to take a good friend's criticism. Ooh. Yeah. One of my best friends noticed some things about how I treat my fiance and wants to talk to me about it. She said she has tried before, but I have given her an excuse. I don't remember this, but I want to hear her out because my fiance is going through some stuff and I think my behavior has had, an, has had an impact on her. I know I'm not the best at taking criticism and never have been, but I'm willing to work on myself. I want to hear my friend out without being in denial and finding excuses for my behavior. But I also want her to hear my side so she understands what she has observed. Even though I don't actually know specifics, dot, 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 I sort of have an idea. 
How do I best have this conversation tonight with her where I hear her out and she feels heard without me trying to explain my behavior, but also feeling like I am able to tell my story to her? Oh, man, I wish I was hearing the uh, specific criticisms the friend has so I could weigh in on that. But yeah. I'll go uh, general <laughs> on this and recommend a <laughs> uh, four-part nonviolent communication technique and uh, then read receipts for what you just uh, received from the other person. So the way to communicate nonviolently is to start with um, observations. I see blank. Let's Can we construct something that this person might be doing to their fiancé? Sure. Um, let's say that he goes swimming with his uh, pals in the river all the time and she's making him wear floaties. Um, just a little insert. Yes. The username is Jess Chillin'. So it could be a guy. It could be any gender. We don't know. And they could be, okay, well. Like it could be a lesbian couple. We because don't know. the friend is female and Jess is often a female name and more people are straight than gay, I'm just going to go with. Jess is what you looked at me like. That's not true. <laughs> well, you're like they are. Well, you were like because well, you were leaning towards. I think that she's female, right? Yeah. So she, she's female and has a female fiance, right? Jess. Oh wait, is it a Jess is the user? Yeah. Jess's friend is female. Yes. The fiance doesn't have a sex, right? Oh, the listed. fiance doesn't have. I was thinking the fiance was she. No, that's uh, all of this. Totally applies right. either you're way. totally right. You're totally right. You're, to, you're totally right. I'm, I'm not going to give any uh, dick or pussy related advice on this. Okay. Um, no, I think you're correct okay. to assume that she is female and the fiance is male. Sure. So let's say that the uh, male fiance's name is Jamie and uh, Jess. <laughs> Which is also a unisex name. <laughs> exactly. Great choice. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie uh, likes going swimming in the river with his pals uh, every Sunday, and Jess has started making him wear floaties, and Jess's friend... Um, thinks it's em emasculating. Thinks, yeah, and like, hey, you should let Jamie do what he wants. Sure. Um, in this scenario, I think Jess should say, I see you giving me advice on how to uh, be less restrictive yeah. with Jamie. Um, and then, so that's your observation. Part one of the nonviolent yes. Part two is express your feelings. When I see that, I feel, and I think it's better to use that I feel language rather than you're making me feel. Right, right. So I feel um, threatened, mm -hmm. angry, sad, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and stick to the basic ones that have less judgment, which are like happy, angry, sad, disgusted. Uh, All the fear. ones you know and love from inside out. Yeah, the <laughs> basics, like the universal six, I think. Yeah. Um, and then, so when I see you giving me that advice, I feel angry. Um, I need, and then here is your, uh, where you list your needs. Mm -hmm. um, I need to feel secure in our friendship. Mm -hmm. Or I need to feel like I am independent in my relationship with my fiance. So I would yeah. request that you only give me it. And then here's where you des design your action item for them. Um, I would request that you only give me advice when I ask for it. Or that um, you can ask them to change the means of delivery of the advice. Of like send it to me in an email with a header that says open this only when you're in a good mood or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, 
if it bothers you, like the way that did they present it in other people in front of other people and that made you embarrassed in front of them, uh, analyze the situation and then make a request that helps meet your need. So that those four steps are, I see, I feel, I need, I'd ask. Great. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, sorry, the second part, sure. read receipts. Then uh, when they've heard that, have them repeat back to you what they heard so that they're listening and you understand that they understand you and then do the same thing for them when they respond. Uh, tell them, okay, what I'm hearing is that blank and then repeat back to them in your own words or their words exactly what they just said. That's fantastic Thanks. and so well outlined. Thanks. Um, is this a method that is like posited by one source? I got a PDF in my email from my friend, Abby. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure that people had exactly what they needed yeah. in terms of keywords if they wanted to look it up and, and find out more about Research it. Research nonviolent communication theory. Okay, yeah. great. I think that's really, really fantastic. Um, and so anything that I would say would sort of be um, an addendum mm -hmm. to that. Um, I think that probably what I am going to focus on in my feedback is sort of then less about how to have the conversation because that's a great structure for it is more like taking the criticism, like the, the part that comes after that. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think number one, as we like to say on this show, like fuck yes for asking, mm -hmm. like it's amazing that you are committing yourself to working on yourself to trying to figure out what's the best way that you can filter in this information so that it can have a positive impact both on your friendship with this person and your relationship with your fiance. Um, because what you're doing when you're communicating with your friend in this way and you're um, showing her that, you know what, even though in the past I might not have seemed as open to hearing this kind of information, um, or, you know, as open as I would strive to be, um, I'm here with it now. I'm trying really hard. And just like Rob said, sort of being like explaining why it's hard for you to receive this information. I mean, nobody likes to receive criticism. Everybody wants to learn and grow. And then when it comes time to hear the, the nasty part, it's like, Ugh. um, and so that's, you know, you're, you're a human being. Um, but you set this intention to, um, try to come at it with an open mind and try to see what has some, validity or something that you can incorporate that might help your fiance. Mm -hmm. And then so you're you're in that half of it, you're trying to kind of put your, you know, not be, uh, not withhold your emotional response, but sort of give it a back seat for a moment while you allow someone else's experience to inform how you're treating your fiance. Okay. And I think just going through that exercise of like putting your ego in the back seat for a second shows both of those people that you really care about and are prioritizing your yes. relationship with them and you care what they have to say. Um, and you're willing to, um, you know, suspend defensiveness about however you have been behaving up until now in order to give someone the opportunity to teach you something. And that is so powerful and brave and i just fucking love that um so can we talk about uh what makes criticism hurt or yeah. be acceptable fuck yes we can talk about what that. are the factors that influence that okay so i think that 
for me personally, like, again, trying to not necessarily, since we don't know that much about this person, like not necessarily prescribe something on them. Yeah. But, you know, for me, I struggle with taking criticism when I'm insecure about something about the way that I'm showing up being acceptable. Sure. Um, when I, I feel like there's a weakness there. It's got to be a dimension that matters to you, the thing that's being criticized. Yeah. And there has to also be some amount of belief in you that the criticism is true. There has to be some doubt in your head on mm. that topic. If it's something yeah. that you're 100% confident in and it matters to you, then you can kind of laugh off the criticism. Mm. But if it's something that you think might be true, then it can upset you, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that a lot of times something we have automatically some kind of emotional response to, mm-hmm. whether it's sadness or anger or, you know, whatever that response is, if it's triggering something in you that it's touching on something. Yeah. And so if you choose to accept the challenge, it's, that's always a moment to swing that mirror around mm. and go, okay, what is this telling? What am I, what is my body's reaction telling me about this situation. Um, because I always like to say that like the person that you in the world have the biggest impact on is yourself. So the clearer you can be about what's going on inside of you and the more, um, you can line up with your own behaviors Mm -hmm. and understand like, how do I want, how do I strive to be in the world? And, and what, in what ways do I reflect that? Or don't I reflect that? that is like the most important work that you can do. Cause with other people, you can like shake them as hard as you want to, but they're in control of their own behavior. Um, which is again, the point of that you were making with saying, differentiating between I feel and you make me feel right. It's, it's removing that sense of like anyone else's responsibility. Yeah. The less accusatory you can be, the more likely your listener is to listen Totally. And not start building up a response, yes. of, you know, a counterpunch. Yes, because, and it's and it's always like partially in the words, but very much in the energy that yeah. you're bringing to, like emotionally. And so to step into this conversation, you're going to have um, understanding that even if you're trying to tell her like, hey, I'm open to this energetically or in terms of your body language, you might actually be giving off a completely different message. Like you might be saying, I feel the need to defend myself or I feel the need to attack you and your body language might be closed. So just paying attention to all the different channels of communication, verbal and nonverbal that are happening during this conversation is so important. Um, and then the, the sort of like level two is being aware within yourself if something is too much. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're getting super triggered by what your friend is saying, having your finger still on the pulse of how is this making me feel and actually pausing to ask yourself that question is going to be critical. Um, and I think that's the best way to to make sure that something doesn't go like off the rails because you're just, you know, you guys are friends. So obviously the goal is not for you guys to fire each other up and have like a heated argument about this. It's more of like you receiving something and her giving it to you and, and allowing for an easy, as easy as possible flow of that communication. And sometimes it pause. That might be the best time or the best, um, thing rather than to just, you know, blurt out whatever your initial response is to be like, you know what, 
I'm really, I'm feeling something emotional, like bubbling up in me right now. I'm not sure what it is exactly, but like, can we just pause this for a second? I'm going to mm-hmm. go to the bathroom or I'm just going to like sit and think. Yeah. I agree that taking a break is a good idea in conversations where complicated emotions are involved. Just take a couple deep breaths, close your eyes and focus on what's happening in your body. If you're having trouble uh, figuring out the feeling, um, uh, yeah, be patient in these yeah. conversations. Feelings yeah. are tough and we're uh, living in a world that's designed to disconnect us from them in order to sell them back to us. So a hundred percent yourself. Yes. And listening to your body is great yeah. feedback too, yeah. because it's like often we think the only way we have to communicate is words, 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 mm-hmm. words. And here's how I'm feeling. And I always know, and here's the label for this and da, 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 da. But a lot of times we don't really give ourselves a proper amount of space to go inside of ourselves and kind of penetrate beneath the superficial layers of what our body is telling us to like what what's really there even if we can't yet give language to mm-hmm. it um and so that's uh a vote in favor of the process of just like scanning your body for like to see what bubbles up and just feeling it and before you even strive to go oh this makes me feel sad or oh this makes me feel angry your body's telling you something usually more subtle and usually a little less verbal. And so it might be like, ooh, I feel like a bubbling in my stomach or I feel a tightness in my throat or my my chest feels um, agitated or rushed. There's, there's a fluttering. Uh, you know, what color is the sensation? Is it expanding? Is it coming inward? Just kind of like observing before you need to label it necessarily and then Often you can back into what is the feeling once you've kind of described it from that perspective of Mm -hmm. not necessarily yet needing to know what is it and what do I do with it. Starting at that like that level of just a scientist encountering a new phenomenon. Yeah. Um, And that that is always available for you in your body anytime. You could just go inward and just be like, what's my body telling me right now? We could do it right now. We could totally do it right now. We could. You know what? We should do it because... We'll give our listeners the opportunity to do it too. Hey, here I go. Okay. First thing I notice is my left butt cheek is asleep. (laughs) It's numb. (laughs) I'm sitting on it wrong. Oh my God. Fix that. Wow. Sorry for kicking the table. He's just, he's really live adjusting right now. I'm hot. Okay. I feel sweaty and um, uncomfortable. Yeah. I feel calm and safe. I feel connected. Cool. Yeah. How about you? Um, first, great work. Um, as you said that you were feeling hot, I was like noticing, yes, I'm also feeling hot. Um, I have a, uh, stirring kind of a little nauseous feeling in my stomach that like sort of crawls up my esophagus into my throat. That's a pretty common (laughs) experience for me. That's pretty much happening 24 seven. Um, I feel a little bit tingly in my face because I'm like pushing communication forward. And there's this like time Mm -hmm. pressure kind of knowing that we're doing this for someone else to listen to. Right. I felt Um, that as well. Yeah. And 
I often have sort of a, a reduced amount of sensation, like below my sternum or my hips. Like I'm just, I'm often not paying attention. Mm-hmm. I'm not dropping into that part of my body and my feet are like up off the floor. And so I'm also not grounded. Um, even in this exercise, I'm still um, probably putting too much judgment on what I'm, what's coming up. In um, saying so when you're, you're trying too much judgment on it, in all, def- in a lot of it. putting judgment on it. Yeah, that. exactly. Exactly. So I just want to point that out because yeah. I'm actually not kind of modeling it the way that I would recommend yeah. someone do it, which is don't say, don't assume anything's good or bad or whatever. Just see what is right. Um, neutral observation, but yeah. So why don't you listening just, if you, if you have already done it, great. Um, either way, really just take the next like five seconds. We'll stop talking and tune into your body, see what comes, try not to judge it and go. All right. Cool beans. Great. You ready to move on to the next question or is there more you want to talk about, about receiving criticism here? Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about the net, the, the sort of final phase okay. of it where you've heard something maybe that you didn't like mm-hmm. and kind of responding to that and then creating a plan for what's next. Because um, I think that that's sort of the that's that's the third phase of how this person okay. takes the criticism. I, uh, I want to say you don't take everybody's criticism. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't take everybody's criticism. Yeah, like. I don't know what, who's right in this situation, and that's probably better for this advice because <laughs> your friend could be crazy yeah. and you could be treating your fiance great. Um, <laughs> but come up with your own values that you believe in and then consider people's opinions who you trust on that topic. Like there are things that I trust Morgan about her advice that she'd give me on. And there's other things that I'm like, <laughs> I don't trust her on this topic. I trust my own or some other person's values on this much more so because they more closely align with yours yeah 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 um i think that's a great piece of advice um i mean it sounds like for you jess that that you you do trust this person they're one of your best friends um and she seems to have uh you know a fair amount of perspective on your relationship um so but yeah sort of take it with a grain of salt no matter what um, it is not the truth. It is her feeling. It is her experience of these events. You have a different experience of these events. Your fiance has a different experience of these events. Um, past and future versions of you will have a different experience of these events. Um, and so, you know, I think the overall tone of what we're saying is do your best to take care of yourself so that you can receive whatever's being communicated and then decide how you feel about it later as that information reveals it to yourself. Because sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to know exactly, like, how do I want to respond to this? So I'm going to do it this way, and I'm going to, like, take it in. I'm going to do it with grace. I'm going to do it this way, that way, whatever. I'm going to implement it. I'm going to decide right away if it's meaningful. Just, again, pause before mm-hmm. you need to jump to any kind of conclusions. Be to the extent to which it feels appropriate, you can express gratitude even to your friend to be like, thank you so much for being brave enough to try to penetrate my wall of not wanting to hear this. Yeah, that's a good piece of advice. Imagine that you were your friend and you had this observation about yourself 
uh, how would that feel to hold on to that and not tell them for a while and then to approach yeah. them with it? Yeah. Unless this is the type of person who just shares every stray thought through your their, their <laughs> mind and are constantly offending people. Right. Um, put yourself in their shoes and imagine, oh, that probably would have been difficult. They probably think this is important. Thank them for bringing up the tough conversation. Um. I'm just rereading the sentence that made me think the fiance was a female. Okay, what's that? I want to hear her out because my fiance is going through some stuff and I think my behavior has had an impact on her. I think that's referring to the fiance. Oh, okay. Um, cool. But anyway, so that was what I wanted to, that was the other point I wanted to make. Good thing is I that, named him Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> thank God for that versatility. Um, I want to also put in there that like, you're not, necessarily responsible for your friend's feelings. You're not necessarily responsible for your fiance's feelings. What does um, necessarily mean as a qualifier? When are you? Or are you just saying it's... A I'm just saying it's... Um, you're just not necessarily responsible for them. Even if they tell you that they are, are that you, you are. Are you responsible for your friend's feelings? I think in general, we should take steps to try to help other people's journeys be a little easier, but not necessarily at the expense of communicating our needs. Um, and I think we also can't assume that we have so much ability to impact people's feelings. Um, like, I don't think we should, I don't think that every expression of emotion that someone has is your responsibility. I know you're trying to get me to say like, no, we never have responsibility for other people's I really feelings. haven't figured this out myself yet. So I'm, yeah, no, neither I'm have genuinely I. asking. Neither have I. Um, I think it's really important to know what the limits of your personal responsibility are in terms of other people um, and your impact on them. I think it's wise to assume that you do have an impact on them, but it's also uh, critical that you uh, don't take an excessive like – uh, burden on to try to keep everybody doing okay and doing this and doing that. Um, I'm sure someone else will have a different uh, magic recipe in terms of what they do take responsibility, sorry, what they do take responsibility for and what they don't. Um, I'm someone who has had some challenges with boundaries and I believe that it's uh, I can attribute it to my relationship with my parents, my primary caregivers, and you know how much space did they take up in our relationship? How did they regard what my needs were and my emotional responsibilities were? They were very distorted, and so I'm kind of relearning right now, like what actually is an appropriate extension of my ability to care for other people. Um, and so it's kind of difficult for me to give advice on this, but I think everyone, you know, when it's like too much kind of. And then, so it's like, okay, so then I pull it back, but did I pull it back too much? And was I sort of careless? Okay. I move it forward a little bit mm -hmm. and it's settling into, um, you know, most of the time aspiring to do better. And the ways that it, that you can do better are sometimes in the direction of this thing. You know, it's like a vector. It's like, Oh, move it a little bit this way. I'll move it a little bit that way. But there's no one stagnant point. That's always right all the time. Every scenario, every person that you're dealing with every moment of your life. So um, do your best. I'm so fucking thrilled that you are trying to challenge your thinking on a topic that's probably super 
intimate and yeah, emotionally challenging, mm-hmm. as Rob said, where the intensity is high because what this friend's going to say is going to have implications for your relationship with her, your relationship with your fiance, your relationship with yourself. Um, so just take as much time, take more time <laughs> than you think you need to process whatever comes up in this conversation um, in terms of the sort of aftercare. And and make a maybe even make a second appointment with your friend to be like, you know what, I'm going to have some time. I'm going to digest this. Thank you for giving it to me. You know, all the like la-di-da wonderful things that we're talking about. Um, let's touch base about this again once I've digested it a little bit in a day or two days. You know what I mean? Like having sort of a plan for after, like maybe the next time you're going to see this friend or you'll reach out if you have any questions, whatever it is. Sometimes that having a concrete like here's what the next step is sometimes helps so that you don't feel like so that you're not in this like loosey goosey no man's land and you will tend to like sometimes when I don't put a firm bullet on the end of something I kind of float around in this space where I try to um, take care of their needs or just do say and do a bunch of shit that's just sort of not really necessary and goes against the effort I've tried to put in to be like and here's the end of this and containing it for myself. Does that, that was kind of wishy-washy, but maybe you can reword it more succinctly. I don't think that I can. You know what I'm saying? um, I kind of zoned out for a a bit there. Sorry. I appreciate your apology. Um, I figured out a better way to say it. So often when we like are trying to say no to -hmm. someone and we use language that's sort of like iffy. Yeah. The person doesn't hear it as a no. And then there's this like, energy of like okay is this expression done or not are we still talking about this and so just having a concrete plan of like the next time you're going to see them or like the next communication you're going to have kind of closes that door on like and and doesn't leave you as vulnerable to just kind of like saying whatever is kind of like anxiously bubbling around i get you yeah yeah it uh having a plan in place for a next contact means you're not constantly asking yourself the question, should I sell them yes. what I'm feeling right now? Yes. Should I wait until I cool down? Like, okay, we've got that figured out. Yeah. 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 It helps you to not say something that is um, less considered and maybe you wouldn't have preferred to say. Yeah. Um, so good luck. Yeah, good luck. Can't wait to share this with you and um, hear how it goes. All right. What we got next? Pew, 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 pew. It's the lightning round. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> We're still workshopping the. Uh, uh, that was perfectly clear for me. Oh, okay. That's a cow on its side because it's about to fall asleep, but it's on its side because there's a storm coming. Oh, okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> All right, so the I just burped. I don't know if that was audible. Jeez. Oh, oh my god, we're gonna have to start over. Do you want to start over? Yeah, I think we should start over. It's like 45 minutes now. <laughs> it's fine. I'm not doing shit today. Um. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> okay, so the first lightning round question comes from OctoDaddy69. Okay. Uh, how do I get rid of pits in my stomach? Sometimes randomly I will get a pit in my stomach that I can't get rid of. Other times I'll get one on a Sunday, parentheses, Sunday blues, or if I fuck something up in a major social interaction. Okay. A, a pit in his stomach? Is that an expression for butterflies? Nerve, like, what is it? Is he talking about a seed of a f- stone fruit? <laughs> <laughs> no. So right. um, to me, the difference between pit and butter, like butterflies are like fluttery and they're higher up. 
yeah. and they're kind of nervous energy. I think Pitt can be nervous, but it's more like it's like more like you swallowed something big and it's just like this knot that's like sitting there. It's a little denser mm -hmm. than butterflies. It's a little lower. It's a little like more sunken. I get so I get as I just alluded to in the segment where I <laughs> described what was going on in my body. Yeah, yeah. I feel nauseous and like weird pit stomach stuff all the time. Okay. Um, and so really, really similar. What you should do with it is kind of like the practice we just did, which is honestly try to just hear your emotions out and let your body tell you what it's feeling um, and cut out, carve out some time and space for this. And I know it's really hard to have that feeling of just like, holy fuck, I just so none of my body wants to do any of the things I know are coming up and it's just dread and it's like, ugh, and it feels disgusting. And all you want to do is literally anything other than go deeper into this feeling. But what's that? It's lightning round. Yeah. So you want me to be quicker? Yeah. yeah. Um, fuck you. So um, sit down, give yourself some time and space, allow this feeling to like unpack itself and acknowledge that it's really fucking hard. It's really hard. Okay. Um, he said this was caused by social situations, right? Yeah. It's, it's fucking up in a social so, situation and Sunday this. blues. Um, I don't know what Sunday blues is, but. When you're dreading Monday. Oh, okay. Um, this guy knows a lot of expressions that I don't, we'd, we'd have trouble <laughs> communicating. You and Octo D. Yeah. yeah. Uh, however, his username is a reference to the video game Octodad, Dadly oh. is Catch, which <gasps> is a, a game that I played on the computer. I believe it's out for consoles now. Oh, wow. But, um, about four years ago, I played this and it was a fairly dark moment day that I was playing this, oh. but you're an octopus who has slid into a man's suit of clothing. You know this is the lightning round, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're going to like this, though, so don't shut me I up on this. I was just fucking with you because you okay, did that Okay, but to this me. is interesting. Oh, uh, shots fired! <laughs> listen, you're an octopus that gets yeah. into a man's suit, business suit, and then you take his place in a family, and everyone thinks that there's what? something a little <laughs> bit off about you, and you're, like, flopping all over the place. And the control mechanic is you have, like, four different joysticks for each of his limbs, so you're just all over everything causing mayhem as you move around the world. Yeah. Um, and it's it's a game that really revels in, like, the awkwardness of moving and being an imposter. So oh my I think God. that he probably named himself after that game because it it was probably very funny to him as it was to me at the time and still is. Um, and he likes the, the, the sense of humor surrounding that game. Sure. Um, so, okay. The uh, thing to do in social environments that's helped me a lot is, uh, give yourself 30 seconds to do nothing and to suck. If you're judging yourself for being a bummer or being just like uninvolved, shy, whatever it is, allow yourself to do that for 30 seconds and just sit in it. Don't make any attempts yes. to be cool yes. to anybody or start a conversation or anything. Just be like, Oh, and what happens to me when I do that is I recognize, Oh, nothing bad happened. Nobody has unmasked me. I haven't been humiliated. Mm -hmm. This is fine. And then the stakes are much lower. Yes. Um, and what happens with this pit in your stomach is that every time you don't sit with it, it kind of like gets denser and tighter. And it's the more that you tell yourself this is something that is there and ooh, and you kind of swallow it, you, you add to it instead of um, – just kind of allowing it to naturally, like giving it the space to loosen and unfurl on its own. Because a feeling is just a feeling. It's not you. It's just something that needs to move through you. But the more that we store energy around it and try not to touch it, um, 
it just kind of builds up and like ossifies. Mm. So, but the key is you can't do it all at once. You got to just allow it to simmer yeah, and sit with it and be conscious while that happens because that's it coming out of you. As far as the Sunday blues, um, maybe this feeling is trying to motivate you to get a better Monday. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great. Um, pew, pew, pew. Long time lurker. <laughs> that's time fucking poster. funny to me. Long time lurker 5507 <laughs> says, I need help. I keep getting calls from random numbers and each of them lead to an Indian guy asking if my name is Cheryl. Same guy, by the way. I keep telling him I'm not Cheryl or to fuck off. Um, I have also for the last couple of years been getting texts from someone trying to tell Cheryl she is approved for money. How do I stop this? He has called at least 10 times today. Uh, I think if you've got the time, just be Cheryl. (laughs) Fuck yeah. That's great. Why not? Resolve the issue head on. You've got a shot at a second life that most people never get unless they believe in, sorry, uh, reincarnation. Yeah. I don't. You do. Oh, that's fine. Um, I love that suggestion. Thank you. Um, yeah. Find out what's fun about being Cheryl. Treat it like a game. <laughs> Treat it like the universe is giving you an opportunity mm-hmm. to like play a game. You're going to make a movie called Round Two. <laughs> Cheryl. <laughs> Based on your life after you live this adventure. Tell us how it goes. Freeadvicepodcast at gmail.com. Fuck yeah. Pew pew. K-T-D-Z-D-E-E-Z-Y. Uh, pew pew. Pew, pew. <laughs> Trying to avoid cultural appropriation. Yeah. Got invited to a bridal shower that's Japanese themed and I'm white. I got invited to a bridal shower that's Japanese themed. The organizer asked all the guests to wear kimonos to the party. Perfect. And will provide kimonos to everyone that does not own one. The bride is white and I am white. <laughs> is it culturally insensitive to purchase and wear a kimono for this event? What do I do? Just do whatever your bride wants. Like, who do you care more about? Strangers on the internet or your friend who's getting married? Um, I'm trying to think of an extreme example of this. Like, if you were at a wedding party where it's all white people and they're making you wear KKK hoods (laughs) as part of the wedding outfit. Yeah, I could see objecting to that uh, for ethical or just like not wanting to be associated your reputation with it. And I guess that this is a form of that. Yeah. It's like, where do you draw that line? Um, so I think that's a great idea. Think about, okay, what is the significance of doing this? Why does it bother you? Um, why might it bother someone who is a part of Japanese culture? Maybe if you know someone who is a part of Japanese culture or could speak to it, with a little more authority than any of your other white friends. Um, you could ask them what they think. Um, I kind of think as long as it's not in a tone of mocking, it's like honoring their culture and and what's beautiful about it. I think that's okay. I also think it might be appropriate for you to be like, I would prefer not to be photographed in it if that's something you're uncomfortable yeah. with um, or for those photos not to surface anywhere. Um, but I think like getting a sense if you wanted to take the opportunity to, to talk to someone else or to say to the bride, like, you know, just being honest, this makes me a little uncomfortable. Like what to you is the importance of wearing the kimonos? And she might say, she might have some lovely, beautiful reason or intention behind it. Um, or she might be like, Japanese people are stupid. And then you say, fuck you. Right, right. I'm not wearing that kimono. Right. 
And I want to just to, to keep providing a balanced opinion. Some yes. Japanese people are stupid. To <laughs> properly respect any culture, you have to recognize that there there's brilliance and stupidity within it. Everywhere. But if she's saying all Japanese people are stupid, which I think you implied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then, yeah, the, the point is the uh, intention behind wearing the kimonos the is. is one of making fun of and being insensitive. If it's one of reverence and just appreciation for the aesthetics I don't think it has to be an appreciation of the entire history or any of that. Like, this is me <laughs> yeah. personally. Yeah, um, totally. Then, okay, cool. In these situations, I think it's important to identify the victim. If there is none, then do it. I, I don't think that it hurts anybody for someone to go out into the woods and whisper the N-word and do a tree trunk. I don't. What if that tree grows up to be a racist? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> That's how it spreads. Um, <laughs> First, it's just one tree. Then it's a whole grove. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think there's great danger in uh, placing the symbols above the ideas that they're supposed to represent. So like the, the kimono itself. It, okay. If there are uh, Japanese people at the wedding that are going to be offended by this, then that's, I think, where you express your concern. Yeah. Chances are, if it's a wedding, there's going to be pictures and posted online it's for a bridal everybody shower. to see. Okay, oh, bridal shower. Yeah, and they're not. Okay. So it's like a small party. I don't know how much um, circulation those photos get. Right. If you can picture a person, if you can imagine them being hurt by this, and you want to avoid causing them that pain, then express it that way to your friend. Totally, totally. Um, I think that's all great advice. Is there, um, if there was a bridal shower of Japanese women, what would what would they have to do to be considered like offensive to white people if they were trying to white like... people can't be offended oh based on our modern rules i guess uh white trash would be the thing like right. confederate flags and mullets and uh jean <laughs> short cutoffs um and like you uh -huh. know shotgunning beers or whatever but that I, sounds like an, a really fun bridal party, though, or bridal yeah, show. Yeah, it's a bunch of Japanese women. Just like with <laughs> playing cosplaying white trash. <laughs> um, I, I personally wouldn't be offended. The uh, <laughs> the argument is that uh, white people are on top. Everyone recognizes that that's the culture that dominates. So they're punching down by imitating other cultures in a joking way. Um, but it's okay to punch up if you're the hmm. oppressed. You're you know, if you're a uh, Jew in a concentration camp and you want to wear a little Hitler mustache and cross your eyes and stick your tongue out, then that's funny. But if you're Hitler, it's not funny to <laughs> put on a yarmulke and go, dreidel, dreidel, whatever. <laughs> well, that's really just insult to injury there. <laughs> I've just explained <laughs> the politics of humor to you. <laughs> you're welcome, everybody. <laughs> Wow, and That's that concludes the lightning round. That was fucking dope. Yeah, oh my good God. work. Great job. Yeah, Great job. I think We're so. a very self-congratulatory podcast now. Mm -hmm. um, so what do you think about this one? One to ten. Where would you put it? It's solid. I liked um, it. Yeah, we could leave it at that. It's not quite as funny as I'd like it to be. Maybe we could tell a couple jokes now. I'm giving it like a seven and a half. Oh, shit. Yeah, okay. for lack of humor, but lack some good humor. insights. Lack of humor was my original complaint when we first started recording. And you were like, don't put the expectation out there that this is going to be so funny. It's going to be a oh, comedy yeah. podcast. And now here you are doing it, okay. which is fine. Well, um, I think lack of play then. We uh, can't control for the jokes being funny, but we can control for how much we're like getting excited. And there were some moments where I was bored. 
I think it's interesting that you seem to get bored more often than really anyone else I know that expresses that. I'm more honest than anyone you know, so that could be that's the, probably the factor it. that... That's probably it. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anyone you know, but I'm more honest than the average person about totally. expressing negative feelings. Yeah. Um, it's not the end of the world that I get bored, but... No, it's not. And I'm generally not going to really change my behavior to accommodate the fact that you have some boredom. Great. I think um, uh, performance, improv performance, like where you're writing it and determining the pace as you go has taught me, though, that like... keep. What do you mean you're writing it? Uh, like you are designing what happens next on stage when you're improvising. Okay. 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 That like uh, audiences have a short attention span. Something like a podcast, it's more forgiving and people are okay with zoning out for a little bit. You know, it's like, all right, for there to be like a dull five minute segment or some people like leave it on during the ads and don't skip through that shit, Mm. Um, which I always skip through it. Me too, pretty much. You know, if your hands are covered in chicken salmonella, you don't want to touch the (laughs) phone. Uh, Keep those chicken fingers right where they are. Stay tuned. Yeah, I just want you to move just a little bit away from your mic. Rob. (laughs) Can you just move your mic like two inches away from you. You really want me to do that? Yeah, if you would. Don't do it too loud. Uh, that was way too much, Morgan. Oh, so this you're, is too far You're away? being childish. Oh, am I? Or yeah. am I just playing? Okay, you're playing. Good work. Thank you. Like I'm uh, an excellent podcaster. Toy I take, Story 4. I take criticism from good friends so well. If you can't hear Morgan <laughs> right now, she's saying she takes criticism from good friends so well. Okay, I'm going to slide my microphone back. <laughs> good work. Um, no, but yeah, I mean, there is a moment of like taking that criticism of like, you're being too loud. And this is exactly, no, this is exa- <laughs> exactly you, your point. Because you believe it and it matters because to you. Because I believe yeah. it. it. Number one, it super matters to me. Number two, I believe it. It's something I've been criticized for over and over and over again. And it just makes me feel, it makes me feel, no, it doesn't make me feel like, what? how am I supposed to say it nonviolently? Just when it happens. When it happens. I used to get really upset you don't have it, it allows you to uh, see it as something that could change. Like it doesn't make you feel that way. I do feel that way, but maybe yeah. I might feel another way in the future. It sure. empowers you. Yes. Um, listen, it doesn't feel super empowering right now. Okay. <laughs> but maybe language, later I'll reflect back on it does. and be like, wow, I'm really empowered. Um, no, I used to freak out when I would get shushed in a restaurant, like as an adult. Um, it, it would make me really like flustered and uncomfortable. Um, and so, yeah, being shushed, being told to be quiet, um, many, the many, the myriad of ways that my verbal expressions were um, not enjoyed and I was no, told explicitly about it, um, I have a large wound about that. And I think what's kind of weird is that like, because I have anxiety around like how much I talk, how loud I talk, I think that kind of propels it to happen more because I'm like anxiously trying to not do it. And that anxiety is making me try to explain myself more. And then I'm doing the thing. And then I'm super self-conscious that I'm doing the thing. Um, And it all just makes me want to be eternally silent, which we all know that I'm not capable of. Sounds like all or nothing thinking. It Exactly. It totally is. I'm such a black and white thinker. I'm trying to be a little more gray. Um, But when we get into these zones of things that are emotionally challenging, that's where we revert back to the old behaviors, the super defended behaviors. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of that I wanted to really tease out because I do think it is important for um, just chilling to see an example live of all these things that we're talking about. Like just because I'm giving you advice about how to do it 
it's way easier for me to give advice because I'm not in your situation. But when I see, when I identify like, oh, here's a place where I'm in a parallel situation and yeah, I am not perfect. Duh. So I like hearing people's uh, histories, insecurities, like what are their complexes, uh, problem areas because of something that happened to know to be sensitive about those things. Um, I'm not saying this is with you, but I've felt with other relationships that as soon as someone tells me that they're insecure about something, they act like that means they're immune to criticism on it. Mm. And like, if you're being loud in a movie theater and I see people turning around being bothered, I'm still going to be like, hey, you're being loud. Even though I know that that's something that you're sensitive about, I still think I should tell you. It's not like you just get a free pass on that. Uh, I just know that it hurts you more. And so this is where the question of like, is it your responsibility to protect my feelings comes in? It's like, you are not responsibility to, you don't have the responsibility to protect my feelings to the extent where you shouldn't tell me that I'm being too loud. But where you do now have responsibility, I think, is that you need to take perhaps a precaution as much as you can to deliver that information in a way that's sensitive, knowing what you know about my sensitivity. Okay. And for me, that's focusing on the effect of there are other people that look like they're disturbed by your behavior rather than labeling you as being a jerk or saying like, you're just too loud all the time. Why don't you ever shut the fuck up? Right. And so that, and so it's like, not only don't say those words, of (laughs) course, but it's like the tone has to also not align with those things. And that's where I'm talking about the differences too, between like all the things that you're communicating. Cause if you're saying like, if you're saying like, I think you're being a little too loud and those are the words, but if you're, but it, and that's fine. That's like a neutral emotional expression of it. But if you're like, I think you're being too loud. Like what? You just move away from the mic. (laughs) Just like two inches. No. Okay. Because I'm, that was the point I was trying to make. Um, is the tone of it is like aligning with the like emotional wound. Here's uh, something that I think is interesting. Have you ever been in an argument where both sides are speaking loud or like yelling at each other? And then it's much more hurtful when somebody goes quiet and said like, is then they take like a controlled, that's very disappointing. And then it's like breaks or like, you've never seen that. I mean, I, I, know, I know what it would would be yeah. like. I've never been in an <laughs> argument like that <laughs> that I know of. Because when I was younger, like, mm-hmm. you know, we, they, we would just yell back and forth. The, the, okay. My mom's tone would never de-escalate. So I didn't have those quiet mo- – there were no quiet moments. It was like she's yelling at me or she's stormed out of the room. That, that's it. There's no – it's all or nothing, shall okay. we say. <laughs> were you going to – did you want to communicate how upsetting that can be? No, I think I just pointed it out. Yeah. That's all. Cool. Um, I feel like there was something before this. There's another interesting topic off of this that I missed a branch or a fork in the road at some point. But we always do. That's okay. We have to just trust that like what we did was enough, I think. We got mm-hmm. we got a lot of branches, a lot of good branches. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. maybe next week we focus a little more on play. That's okay. All right. I'm excited to um, have the opportunity to play with you Rob again next week and play with you guys and um, really strongly encourage you to send us a question about whatever the fuck you are dealing with right now in your life, big, small, 
whatever, related to what stuff we've been talking about, completely mm-hmm. unrelated to stuff we've been talking about. Where do they send it? Free advice podcast at gmail.motherfuckingcom. It's just dot com. In case anybody is a real Amelia Bedelia out there, <laughs> y'all remember her? <laughs> Barely. Okay. Barely. What, you mean like a big uh, grizzly? Like, like that? That's what Amelia you're trying to do. You're trying to backload yeah. the episode with a bunch of play? <laughs> yeah, I, like I am. I'm trying like to sneak it. it in. Yeah. That's sneak almost it over. Yeah. I, yeah, we can hear the music coming yeah. in. We're still like playing mm. with some stupid idea. Um, it's snowing outside. Oh, it's blowing in the wind. And there's a child making a snowman with rosy cheeks. It's July in L.A. Because of global warming and the tone of the music that you're hearing right now, it's all very twinkly uh, and pristine out there. And it's very cozy, yeah.